Hello and welcome to the Point of Everything podcast. My name is Ono Sullivan and this is the annual Choice Music Prize preview show. Delighted to say that I'm joined by John Barker, formerly of Totally Irish. Now, John Barker, how's it going? <laughs> ono Sullivan, can you believe it is that time of the year again when we get to sit down and chat about uh, the 10 albums that have been nominated for this year's Choice Music Prize? Delighted to be back here again. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to do this again. I haven't really been doing the podcast in 2022. A couple of reasons. It's a lot of work kind of doing it, but uh, you're no longer doing Totally Irish. How how are you feeling about that? It's about a month on since your last show, is it? It feels longer than a month, but it's uh, it's about a month. And yeah, in, in some ways it's been it's been good. I've, I've a lot more spare time in my hands. And in terms of Irish music, I've had to listen back to a lot of these albums for our chat today, and I'm I'm now listening to Irish music once again, just as a music fan. I'm not listening to it with a real kind of um, critical ear in the sense of I would always have listened before, thinking would that sound good on the show? Maybe I can play this song instead. So now I'm I'm just listening purely as a music fan, and it it's it feels good. <laughs> That's that's my positive answer to your question. But you feel like, you're, you know, you're getting kind of itchy hands, kind of like, oh, I've missed a lot of music that has come out in a given week. No, I'm still listening to everything that's been released. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still getting sent on lots of new music. But what I found is that I've actually really enjoyed having, you know, a lot more spare time to do other, other things. I've started reading again, which I haven't done in so long because I haven't had time to do it. I was doing the show for for 12 years every week and uh it's nice to kind of have a break even though i didn't ask for the break <laughs> but it was a great final show i think uh I've, I've met you um in in between doing this and your final show and i said like congratulations on it you went out on a high so hopefully you're feeling good about what you did i mean 12 years is something mm. to be really proud of yeah I'm, I'm proud of the the show i'm proud of the work that myself and the team put into it I'm proud of the fact that it got to a, a level where people saw it maybe as a place to go to or to tune into for the best new music. And that, like initially, my whole thing when I took over presenting the show in 2010 was I wanted to make the show as popular as, as possible and to have it as a, a, a at a, a level or a platform where artists could have their music played, their new music played, and people would actually be listening to the show. So, yeah, I, I think I, I don't know how well I achieved that, but I do think that um, it got to a stage where it was slightly popular. Well, it's great to <laughs> hear your voice again, both across from me and actually doing an interview or, or doing a show in person. I was just thinking about it, like, you know, I kept the podcast going for the two years over the COVID shutdowns and lockdowns and everything. And I think I only did like one or two in-person interviews. So it's great to actually talk to people in the same room again. Um, if I do get the podcast up and running again over the course of the year, hopefully be doing more of that. But we're here today to talk about the Choice Music Prize for the Best Irish Album of 2021. I think it's a very strong shortlist of albums, but before we get to that, are there any albums you feel could have made the list? Keeping in mind that to get another album onto the list would have meant one of the 10 that we're going to be discussing today would have had to miss out, which is always hard to cut albums. But is there any album that you would have liked to have seen on the list? Well, we're going to talk about the shortlist in a few moments' time. It's a really strong shortlist. I think it's probably overall the strongest shortlist we've had yet for the for the Choice Music Prize. And I did my top 10 albums of the year mid-December on that show that 
I used to present nine of the ten albums that I that I chose as my top ten albums of the year. I've made it onto the choice shortlist, so I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and criticize it. But the one album that didn't make it onto the actual shortlist for the Choice Music Prize was um, Iha from Fears, which I, I was a huge fan of, and I, I would have loved if that had made it on. But really, I, I don't begrudge any of the artists or albums that are on the shortlist. I think it's 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 a really strong shortlist. Yeah, I think there's, there's two big names, I think, which you could argue for. Reggie Snow um, released his second album last year, but he didn't do much press around it. And it feels like it kind of just faded a little bit in the kind of, I don't know, the mainstream thinking is Irish music mainstream. I'm not 100% sure about that. James Vincent McMorrow mm. as well um, got kind of decent reviews. Uh, Enemy compared it to Ed Sheeran, which might have sunk it a little bit. Goodness but, me. <laughs> yeah, I bet he pre- wasn't happy about that. Yeah, that was a pretty withering review, actually. Um, but uh, I, I really like it. It's got a couple of great songs on it. And uh, I don't know, he's, he's touring it soon enough. So yeah, um, I, I found that album quite disappointing, considering how talented he is. And as for Reggie Snow, I tried to get an interview with Reggie Snow. And yeah, flat out, he's he refused to to do any promo for the new album, which is a bit bizarre. So that yeah. could explain why he didn't get onto the shortlist, maybe. <laughs> that he didn't talk to you? That, no, that he didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> and personally, Maria Kelly's debut album, The Sum of the In-Between, which was released relatively late in the year. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. It was one of my favorite albums of the year. So I would have loved to have seen uh, that get a little bit of recognition. But um, she's she's still great. And in, in my eyes, we got to see her supporting Alba Reddy in the Button Factory a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she was really, great. really nice gig. Maybe Alba Reddy, who's planning to release her second album. Maybe she'll be on next year's choice prize list but the judges for this year's list before we get into the actual music i'll go through the judges eve blair from bbc radio ulster craig connolly from district magazine connor halpin from red fm kira king from 2fm martina mcglynn from rte radio one kieran mcginnis from radio nova on whose show you were a couple of weeks ago i think the week after you after your totally irish show finished john maher from the irish independent Aoife Moriarty from Buzz.ie and The Star, Emma Nolan from FM 104, Kate O'Dwyer from RT1's Tommy Tiernan Show, and Orla Ormond from Today FM. FM. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, radio DJs in there, which is uh, quite interesting. And so just so people know, those uh, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven judges would have submitted their top ten albums of the year, and that would have that is how they got it all down to the shortlist that we're going to discuss. Now, is there anything else that we need to know before we get into the shortlist, John? Any thoughts on those judges? You've usually got an inside insight and inside ear going on about the judges and your your own uh, thoughts and conspiracy <laughs> theories about how it's going to go. There's no conspiracy theories this year. No, it's it's a I, like I I know a few of those judges. I'm sure you do as well. And they're quite knowledgeable when it comes to the good music. So I think it's a strong list of judges. But they're not going to have it easy this year because, as I said a few moments ago, this is probably overall the strongest shortlist that we've had yet for the Choice Music Prize. So we're going to go through each album and discuss it, uh, discuss each album as we go. Uh, I'll call out the shortlist and then we'll get into it, John. Yeah. Mm. So Bicep are nominated for their second album, Isles, that's released on Ninja Tune. Mick Flannery and Susan O'Neill are up for In The Game, released on Rosaline Records and Rosa Productions. For Those I Love is up for his debut album, For Those I Love, which was released by September Recordings. Orla Gartland is up for 
woman on the internet, which was released on her own label, New Friends Music. Houseplants are up for Dry Goods, which is released on Bone China Records. Kojak is up for Town's Dead, released on Softboy. Elaine May is uh, up for her debut album, Home, which she self-released as well. Saint Sister up for the self-released Where I Should End, which is their second album and their second choice prize nod. Soda Blonde up for Small Talk, their debut album, formerly known as Little Green Cars, that was released on Velveteen Records. And Villagers is up for Fever Dreams, which was, yet again, released on Domino. So that is the shortlist, John. Any stats for us, usually uh, our statistician? Yeah, well, there's several things that that jump out at me with regards to the shortlist. Out of the 10 nominated albums, six of them are um, debut albums. But that's a bit misleading when when you look at it, because For Those I Love has been around for five, six years releasing music. I mean, he originally first released music in 2016 with Burnt Out, the collective he was part of. Orla Gartland's debut album came out last year, but I mean, Orla's been releasing albums since, releasing music, I should say, since 2012, 2013. Houseplants, I mean, that's Paul Noonan and Dahi, obviously two really experienced musicians. Kojak, I mean, he's got a baby face, but he's he's no baby anymore, having released Ellie Daydreams a few years ago. Elaine May's debut album came out, but, I mean, Elaine May is another one who's been releasing music for a good few years, and Soda Blonde's debut album is on the shortlist, but Soda Blonde, as you mentioned there, were formerly Little Green Cars, and they've been together making music for the guts of 12, 13 years. So even though there are six debut albums, they're not necessarily from inexperienced musicians. The other thing I really like is that a lot of the albums are kind of... There's, sorry, there's a lot of counties outside of the normal traditional counties that have been, uh, that have artists that have been nominated for the choice. So represented on the shortlist are the likes of Derry, Mayo, Belfast, Dublin, Cork, Kildare and Clare, which is great to see. And only one of the 10 artists that have been shortlisted has, has won the choice before. So there's a good chance that we're going to get a new, a new winner of the Choice Music Prize. I'll just throw in a couple more. Oh, please continue. Yeah. Kieran McGuinness is one of the judges this year, and he's the only person to have won the Choice Music Prize with De Laurentiis uh, and to be a judge as well. So he's going to get to see both sides of the of the spectrum, if you like. And then Conor O'Brien, with his nomination, has become the artist who's got the most Choice nominations. He's got five with Villagers and one with The Immediate, which means that he's got six Choice Music Prize nominations in total. And he is the only winner on the shortlist well. sorry I should have said that he's the only winner out of the 10 artists that have been nominated it's a surprising album that he won for when you think about it their mm. second album Wayland which yeah. I think is probably their maybe, weakest yeah it's yeah. their least regarded it's gas isn't it I think yeah um, so Villagers will be the last act that we talk about but will we get stuck into the shortlist yes let's go for it Bicep, 
up for Isles. I'll let you take this first because I think you're quite a big fan of Isles and Bicep. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have known too much about Bicep before Isles came out. And I think the first time I heard a track from it was with the song Apricot, which is Apricot, sorry, which is nearly like an iconic song at this time. You hear it come on the radio and you think, wow, what a, what a song. But this is a, an album... I guess the concept behind it was for the duo of Andrew Ferguson and Matthew McBriar who make up Bicep to try and create an album that you could listen to maybe in a club but also could listen to at home because obviously over the last two years clubs have been closed and people have had to I guess adapt a little bit and what they tried to do was well let's try and create an album that works in your headphones and works in your kitchen at home as well but can also work uh, in a live setting when things do reappear and that's nearly like a a bit misleading because you kind of read that line and you you think well it's going to have maybe less bass in it there's going to be less beats Uh, it's maybe going to be a bit more kind of synth heavy but it's 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 not really like that It's, it's an album that you listen to and I've listened to this a lot at home and I've listened to it a lot walking around the place with my headphones on and it works in in that environment but you can easily you know listen to the songs and think this is going to be amazing when festivals do return I mean I hope to see Bicep play quite a few festivals over over the next few years so I guess it's it's music that works at home and it's music as well that works on the dance floor and there's so many high points in this album I've already referenced Apricots the track Atlas is a, is a wonderful uh, opening track as well. Saku, and these are the three singles that were released, but the, the whole album as a whole is, is really, really strong. And I've, I've loved listening to it this year. They're both from Belfast. They used to do a blog called Feel My Bicep, which is a great name for a blog, first of all. And it was one of these things where they were just found, finding these sounds. And so they were like... Uh, referencing and linking to music from all over the world and I think that you can kind of hear that come through on this album they sound like proper crate diggers you know like looking for something that nobody has ever heard before so there are kind of Bollywood sounds you can hear their Italo disco sound come through as well and just researching it reading up interviews with the band and reading reviews of the album one of the words that comes up to describe Isles is melancholic the idea like you said that people are listening to this in their kitchen when they should be listening to it in the club and I was wondering how people will look back on this album in like five years time once they get used to seeing these songs live and seeing Bicep live again like they were supposed to play to tens of thousands of people in London in March 2020 but obviously that didn't happen and I just wonder how people are going to look back on these songs are they going to look back with melancholy thinking about like oh this song reminds me of lockdown and dancing in my kitchen or will it remind them of you know like the great times that followed so I think that's going to be a really interesting um, one that will get teased out I suppose over the next couple of years I think that they were working on an album and they shelved it when lockdown hit and then they created this so this was created in a matter of months and sometimes with dance albums you can kind of put it on and kind of forget that it's on sort of thing it's almost on in the background you know as you're working at home or whatever um but this album really really does grab you doesn't it it's got like really really joyous moments on it like like you say apricots is just an outstanding track and it's got some great features as well like their label make uh clara lasan uh it it does have lyrics flowing through it which i don't know if they had that much on their first album 
But yeah, this is a really, really strong album. Are you surprised that it got nominated? I am a little bit. I was hoping that it would, but I was kind of thinking that maybe because it had been released so early in the year and maybe because it didn't have, well, a lot of radio play here in Ireland that maybe some of the judges wouldn't go for it. But I'm, I'm really glad that it, it that it, it has been nominated because it's a it's a it's a wonderful electronic album and it's one of my favorite albums of the year and it's one of the the few albums on the shortlist that i've gone back to quite a bit yeah it's one that's really really easy to to press play or leave um on repeat as well just a few lines before we move on alexis petridis reviewing this in the guardian said that the duo have suggested that the global music samples are intended to conjure up the multicultural racket of daily life in their adopted home of <laughs> east london and McBriar uh, told Mixmag in an interview that with instrumental music, it's hard to describe emotions, but the musical element of Isles, the emotion behind it was definitely centered on Ireland. I think being happy and sad at the same time is quite an Irish emotion, like it's rainy and grim outside, but you're also happy to be indoors and warm. It's a guess, but I think Irish, Scottish, Scandinavians, anywhere the weather is awful, there's a bittersweetness to things. I think that's a good way of looking at the album because it is joyous, but it is kind of a mix of emotions that you feel when you're listening to this album. And something that you probably couldn't say about like a whole load of dance music, I, I would think maybe it changed during lockdown. And that's one of the interesting features about the shortlist as a whole is that it's two years since um, COVID hit and a lot of these albums were made during the lockdown made remotely as well the next album we're going to talk about is mcflannery and susan o'neill in the game and that was created most definitely uh in lockdown and remotely a lot of zoom interviews between the pair who collaborated on uh baby talk a couple of years ago and they expanded on that during lockdown
McFlannery is a seasoned veteran. I don't know how many choice nominations he has, but he was nominated for his last album. We would we were both there that night. He performed um, on the night. That was a really strong album, self-titled, and it felt like Flannery had kind of gained a new a new lease of life, I think, creatively. And I think that Susan O'Neill has drawn that out of him as well. She is quite a, a long history as well. She's played with the likes of King Kong Company and Sharon Shannon. So she's not like a brand new name to people. But I, th- I think her voice is kind of the star of this album. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I'm not Mick Flannery's biggest fan in terms of the the type of music that uh, he's ever released. But I really like this album and I'm surprised that I, I liked it so much. And I think mostly that reason is down to Susan O'Neill. She's a wonderful talent and um, she's got a great voice and, and she takes these songs in, in I guess a, a different direction in particular with the, the I, I love her vocals on the, the tracks Are We Free and Lonely Winds in particular I like the concept behind this album you probably know a bit more about this than I do but it details am I right in saying this a, a couple who are kind of coming to the end of their relationship and this is the the struggle that they have to go through and both played a role really well um, and there's a nice, there's a nice kind of blend of different uh, styles of music. You, you've got tracks that focus on Americana and this folk country. There's some nice piano ballads in there, and there's really nice um, strings and instrumentation throughout. So I really enjoyed this album. I'm delighted to say it, it's probably, if I'm being honest, it's probably my least favorite of the ten albums on the shortlist. But in saying that, I really enjoyed it, which is a good sign. <laughs> it's got Phoebe Bridgers seal of approval as well. She had Mick Flannery and Susan <laughs> O'Neill uh, support her on one of her dates in America and she's come out and said that she loves the album too. So if that ha- if Phoebe Bridgers has any sway well, and we know that for her. <laughs> we know that she most certainly does then I'm pretty sure she might pick this album to win. But yeah, that concept uh, is they're most definitely playing the role. McFlannery is happily married of a couple kind of falling out of love. And it's a a classic, in a way, duets album. I talk with McFlannery uh, in an interview for the TPOE podcast, and we were kind of mentioning these kind of breakup albums. And he said that he enjoyed the concept of it. But he also told uh, Ed Power in The Irish Examiner that if you've ever sat around with your friends to talk about relationship troubles, it's the same kind of commentary that comes along communication problems jealousy lack of understanding everyone has their stories where they go oh shit we had a blowout last night and i've said things i shouldn't have said we tried to put that in verse so yeah it's it's not the only concept album on the choice prize shortlist this year but uh it's really really interesting listening to it as a whole and if you get enveloped by it it really does take you on a journey so yeah i think it's uh it's another strong album i don't know if it got to number one in the irish charts but uh it certainly did well for them they might be one of you know the irish music public's favorite acts who are on the shortlist
speak Blood on his hands as the man died at his feet And me, I stood at the scene No sheets to block the bodies we dream They stay evergreen Senior infants show and tell What you do the weekend are you well Stand in front of the class as they ask You tell them you looked at the blood left on the road From the man who slept in the field outside your window Got thrown out of a car with a knife to his heart In the morning stars, terrified I went quiet and I stood And I started to run from love Cause you're told you need to grow cold to grow old I was seven in that same field beside me gaff Kicking through the leaves and the grass Until two garter rock up batons in hand And leave you crying for your mams And this is no dramatics This is no tales and 90s classics You spend your whole life being brave And you hope that things will change So don't fucking ask me why I don't want to age It just marks the time of things staying the same But the songs sound fun and you dance with your mates And it's grand until the next day For those I love, up for for those I love. Uh, I think that we could do almost a track by track, line by line uh, breakdown of this whole album. But I'll let I'll let you take this one, John. I know that you had I had David Balf in studio or over over Zoom. No, I, I did a, a phone interview with him on on the show a few months ago, and it was one of my favorite interviews that I've that I've ever done. He's such a, an interesting and honest and open person to interview, which doesn't come along too too often and you, you've i found that quite quite often i was asking him a question and five minutes later he was still answering answering the question and i had my eyes closed listening going this is one of the greatest answers i've, I've ever heard but with regards to the album that he, he's released i think it's it's impossible to listen to this album and not become on some level emotionally attached to the subject matter and the album is you know all about the his experience of growing up in a working class area. And it's about, obviously, it's a tribute to his friend, Paul Curran, who tragically passed away. 
and it's also about friendship and f- for me you know the first time i listened to it properly i was left with a a sense of how important to me my my mates are my friends are and how much i love them and how much i got, i wanted to you know ring them up or or call them and tell them that you know i, I cherish the fact that they're, they're my mates and that and that came through this particular album and listening to David Balf's experience with, with his friends. And like, how often can you say that a piece of art moves you that much that you become so emotionally attached to? Sometimes you watch a really great film, you feel something similar. Sometimes you, you look at a, a piece of art and you, you, can, you can become emotionally attached to it. But it, it's quite rare for me anyway, to listen to an album and to have that emotional attachment and, and to feel the pain that that David felt when he was writing those songs. And he does it really well through the little snippets of, of voice messages that he has saved from the time when, when Paul was still alive. He does it really well through the referencing the, the different styles of music that he's been a fan of over the years. And it's just a very unique album and it's one that's resonated with so many people and it's one that a lot of people i think are hoping wins the choice next week yeah it's uh it's one of those albums which is so dense and so layered and with so many great lines uh what an unbelievable lyricist balf is that you can listen to this a hundred times and you'll find something new on every single listen there's a little bit of controversy around it i would say like a tiny teeny tiny particle of controversy about it uh steve cummins who writes for the sunday times i think is the main person who's kind of uh put this out there that this album was actually released two years ago and probably is disqualified from the choice this year i don't know if you buy into that that much personally i think that it was officially really you know like officially available to get for on a free download or something for like two or three weeks it was available for so little time i think that it would have been uh ridiculous if it wasn't on the choice prize shortlist this year so i, I put absolutely nothing into it like yeah no i don't think it's it's even worth really going into that it was released the year before for a few weeks as you said i mean it, Dave sent it on to me. I played a track from it on the show. So, it, 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 I mean, it was made available to the public, but does that mean it shouldn't be on this year's Choice Music Prize shortlist? I know according to the rules, possibly shouldn't be, but, I mean, that's just down to the to the fault of the, you know, whoever wrote the rules for the Choice Music Prize. I don't, I, I, like, it would have been a, a travesty if it wasn't on the shortlist this year. So I think it's fully entitled to be on there. You said that um, this kind of makes you think of your friends and, mm. you know, how grateful you are for them. Um, it's the anger of the album that really stands out to me. It's like a real visceral anger with society that he's talking about on on a lot of these tracks. Like Top Scheme is probably the, the, um, the most obvious of this. Your drugs are in class. They're upper middle class. Da crashed the bank but kept his job. Few bob for a week in Mykonos. And you joke about the junkies. Like, it's just really... Like, by the time he gets to fuck off, it's just, like, almost relief that you feel. Like, you can just feel, like, your blood pumping. I was lucky enough to see him uh, when he played the Olympia, um, his only 
full in front of an audience Irish gig. He's done other voices and he's done one or two other things. And he's going to be playing live at the Choice a couple of tracks. So that'll be great to see him in Vicker Street. But it was such a mix of emotions that you that you feel because it's a dance album. It's mm. it's influenced by the likes of the streets, and there's real joy in this album too. And you can imagine people with their hands around their best mate, you know, just going for it. But it's very much a tribute to Paul Curran, who he played with. Paul was a poet, I think, and uh, David Balfe on the first song, "I Have a Love." Mm. Uh, he kind of turns his back on the audience and he looks at the screen which is projecting all of the clips I think it's the video that's actually playing and you can just feel that like even though he's putting on this performance it's very much a tribute to uh, Paul Kerr and he kept saying you know I can feel you in this room and I think it must have I hope that it was really really cathartic for David Balfe to release this album to play it live and to see it nominated for the Choice Prize because I think it's great that he's getting to, you know, to experience all this kind of with his best friend who still isn't around, but hopefully, you know, he's present with him all the way. And I I would think that he would pay tribute to him for every little bit of success that he would have along the way. Yeah, no, definitely. And Paul was one of the four, I think, that started Burnt Out with David Balfe back in 2016. There was a Burnt Out where a collective of, I guess, dissatisfied youths who found that the only way that they could kind of break out of their environment around them was through art. So that's that's how they did it. They they decided that we're going to create art, we're going to release music, and we're going to try and find some meaning in our particular life as young people growing up in a working class area through the medium of art. And it, it's that's that's where Dave Boff's and for those I love's story begins. It is with, with Paul and it is with the rest of his mates back in 2015, 2016, deciding, okay, let's let's do something with our lives and let's do it through art. So I'm sure to, to go from, for him, it must be, the last few months must be quite surreal and must be such a, a beautiful experience for him to think that he's come from, you know, those few years ago with his mates trying to, Trying to make a trying to make a meaning of 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 their lives and and to suddenly find that he's you know the album's been nominated for the choice and he's got got huge recognition for the album and obviously performing live in the Olympia Theater playing at the Jules Jules Holland show etc cetera, etc cetera. um it must be quite satisfying for him um and obviously very bittersweet at the same time. And and it's the place as well, like you mentioned, the working classness of it. He's from Kulak, that area, and he shouts out, you know, like Irish artists who I think are from around the same area, like Pam from um, mm. Pillow Queens and James from Murder Capital, who would have been friends with Paul Curran as well. And obviously he samples the Toka Park crowd as well the Shelburne fans Curran was a huge fan of them. And uh, I, I got to interview, I was lucky enough to interview um David Balfe as well for the Irish Examiner and uh, we talked about that kind of connection to the location and he says uh, I have a dedication and a love to where I'm from that I think will remain undying I'm glad I left when I did because I needed to for myself but I want to go back now and there's a lot of stuff in the way not least just being able to find affordable rent so even in that short quote there I, I think that you get a sense of kind of the political nature of, of his work of course the housing crisis is something that isn't going away anytime soon and it's affecting artists it's affecting everybody in society so it'll be really interesting to see what for those I love 
does next? Does he keep the name? Does he do something else? Is it is he going to be able to perform these songs for forever? But um, one thing is for certain is that he should be really, really proud of this album, which I think is an absolute high point in Irish music of the last like decade. I think that you can make an argument that it's one of the best albums of the century so far. Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. And I don't think many people would, would disagree. It's certainly one of the most unique albums and I'll go back to saying what I said a few moments ago. There's very few albums that can leave the listener with such an emotional attachment to the songs on it. And it's not the easiest album to listen to. You know, it's not like we're talking about an album here that's very accessible. It's it's a, it's a tough listen, but it's 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 uh, it's well worth obviously listening to. I love the way you sing. Oh, I've been trying to copy every word you say.
go on to uh, Orla Gartland, who is up for Woman on the Internet. As you said at the outset of us talking about this shortlist, Orla Gartland has been around for a long time. She has been writing with other people and releasing music since the mid uh 20 teens i don't know how you refer to that decade but like her the first ep that you can listen to on spotify is from 2015 it's called lonely people and the title track of that is really really carly ray jepson and i wonder did orla take a while to kind of find her sound and to kind of settle on what she wanted to do um because she certainly seems to have changed a couple of times even since then whereas now she's very much uh, kind of an indie pop truth teller talking about life um woman on the internet in itself sounds like a bit of a concept album i don't i don't quite think that it's that orla gartland is still only in her like mid to late 20s and uh this album is kind of still speaking truths it's like don't compare your face to the other faces it's not worth it she says on the opening track things that i've learned and i think it's funny that people would you know, people might hear that and they'd be like, what is she, what is she learned? She's only in her mid twenties. You know, she has so much more life to live, but already she's, she's already lived life on the music that she's released. She used to do YouTube videos and she has, I think still like a Patreon, which you can subscribe and she'll like do demos and kind of talk very much to her fans. So I think people who are fans of Orla Gartland, you know, like they're really, really big fans of Orla Garland. I think you're you're a big fan of, of hers as well, aren't you? Yeah, but you're mentioning there people that are fans of Orla Garland. A lot of them have been with Orla since the very start. So as you said there, she started off releasing videos on, on YouTube, mostly cover songs, and she grew this fan base, this kind of really loyal fan base, most of whom are, well, I, I presume all of whom are still with her with her today. So you're we're talking about, I mean, that's probably she started doing that about ten years ago. I had her on the show in two thousand and thirteen. Two thousand and thirteen. Mm, wow. I'm pretty sure it was two thousand and thirteen. Let me go and double check that. But she was I mean, at the time she was a I guess like a, a singer songwriter with a with a with a great voice. And what I, I I'm a big fan of this album. I, I think it's a it's a really, really great album. I think it's one of the favourites for the choice next week. And I remember the it came out at, you know, midnight on the, whatever the Friday, August, Friday I think. it was in, in August. And it, I, I, I happened to be at home on, on social media about half an hour before midnight. And she posted this thing saying, hey, at midnight, I'm going to be on uh, at home performing some of the songs live. I'd, I'd love if you could uh, check it out. So I, I watched her performance and it was just her in her bedroom on an acoustic guitar. And it just reminded me of what an incredible voice she has. She's got an amazing, amazing voice. And I think that's one of the strong points of the album. There's a really nice kind of mix as well throughout of indie, guitar, pop songs. So I think they've got the, the balance of different styles of music absolutely spot on. And it's all about her voice and it's all about her lyrics. You know, she's really honest. The The, the songs in the album portray somebody who's quite openly saying these are my these are my weaknesses these are my faults um i'm not going to sugarcoat them uh but there's that there's also a nice kind of underline of of orla's sense of humor throughout as well so yeah big fan of the album uh and i think i think it's done i think it's done really well and i love the the kind of direction that she's going in with her with her music career 
she's got a really really interesting take on life and some really really good lines that catch you out as you're listening to the album uh i got to interview for the uh, point of everything podcast and uh she said i like wearing a lot of hats on some days on most days it works well for me i'm pretty self-sufficient i feel like the diy way of doing this comes very naturally to me and actually my time over the last couple of years i flirted with the idea of signing or being in a situation where i could have a bigger team something about it doesn't sit with sit right with me so i think it does get overwhelming sometimes but in those moments i realize that i have kind of done this to myself i think there's a lot of a lot expected of artists right now and i think i feel reasonable reasonably lucky that some of it not all of it but some of it comes naturally to me so she took her time releasing her debut album and as i said she could have gone a number of different ways beforehand she could have made a big pop album mm. but she's made this album and i think it's one that uh she should be really happy with and like you say yeah there's a lot of uh different styles all on the album i wonder does that come into focus a little bit for her as she kind of you know moves on with her career i think she's also kind of an interesting in between type of phase for an Irish artist she moved to London in her when she was a teenager because she didn't think that there was that many opportunities for her in Dublin and then BIM opened I think that if BIM had been open when she was you know looking for maybe uh something solid to focus on she would have gone to BIM but um it certainly worked out she's done co-writing with um lots of artists in London and yeah hopefully we'll be hearing more from more in the years to come houseplants next Houseplants. Yes, we're moving in alphabetical order. Look at this here, this here window pane. 
House Plants are next up. Dry Goods is the name of their album, their debut album, I suppose. Yeah, debut, which is gas when you think of Paul Noonan, the experience that he's had with Bell X1 and Dahi over the years as well has released so many great tracks and albums. And I think to own, I think to like to fully appreciate this album, you have to kind of understand the context of it. It's this is an album that the two of them wrote with a view to having the songs that they wrote performed live. So both. Both of them during the recording, when they were sending the tracks back and forth, because because obviously Paul was in his kind of cave and Dahi was in his cave during during lockdown. So the creation of these songs are that one of them would come up with uh, a concept or a basis for a song and then would fire it over to the to the to the other, and uh, that's how they they built the songs up. But they had to kind of keep reminding each other, don't forget that these songs have been made for. Uh, that time which will hopefully come soon when we can perform them live so that there are songs purely made for a live setting and i think once you kind of realize that you get a better appreciation of the album and um, it's straight up good fun electronic music that is very much not in its head in the direction of lcd sound system with paul noonan's vocals and paul noonan's lyrics and it works it's it's it works really, really well. I think uh, there's so many great highlights on the album, and I know people that have seen them over the last few months performing live, and they've they've loved these songs in a in a live setting because it's not just Paul and Dahi on stage. I've got a full band with them, so yeah, I think it's a it's a really solid, good album. Yeah, I was lucky to see. I think it was their third live show at It Takes a Village back in September in Trebolgan. Um, If that festival comes back this year, I'd recommend it to everyone. It was really, really good fun. But um, yeah, they just looked like a step above a lot of the other uh, Irish acts who were playing over that weekend. I hope that's fair to say. Uh, but that's mainly Paul Noonan because I think he's an unbelievable frontman. He really, really does command the attention. And live, yeah, it is really where it comes to the fore. Um, this collaboration began with Oh Jesus Take the Wheel, a track that featured on Dahi's last album, which was Choice Nominated, L-O-S-S. And this is more dance orientated. Um, how excited do you get about some of it like Houseplants, Dry Goods and the first song, uh, What's With All The Pine? aren't exactly things that get you too excited but um it like it it is a fun album isn't it it is no it's it, and that's the whole point of it it's it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be an album that you listen to and you you get enjoyment out of and again i'll, I'll go back to saying that it's it, you listen to it from start to finish and you try and imagine what these songs are going to sound like with you know five ten thousand people around you dancing along to it and singing along to it and it is it's fun it's it's that's that's the whole thing and there's there's you've got as well paul noonan's kind of witty lyrics which we've known him to be such a great lyricist with bell x1 for uh, over the years and yeah it's it's good fun do you think <laughs> the lcd sound systemness of it is a bit of a uh does it kind of take away from it a little bit because some t- the first couple of times that i listened to it uh it 
that didn't strike me but as soon as someone said it to me it's kind of the main thing that i can hear and there, there's one or two tracks like window pane in particular which almost sounds like a carbon copy of lcd sound system which you know it's it's not that big a problem for me because lcd sound system has so many uh great tracks and like different uh eras almost themselves but i think i think sometimes it's like wait did they just copy and paste some lcd sound system well, I th- I think they're I mean I, they certainly wouldn't say that, but I think they're kind of unapologetic about the, the the sound that they're going for. They wanted to kind of create that festival sound, and I don't think it takes away from from listening or from your enjoyment of the album at all. But when you're listening to it and you're like imagining what it's going to be like live, like does is that not a kind of almost a minus from it? Because you're almost hearing a different very you know you're almost hearing an imagined version of the album, are you? Well, it depends how good your imagination is. Are we, are we getting into existential territory here? Uh, I, re- I really like the album. Every time every time that I press play on it, um, there are tracks that really, really jump out, like yeah. Campanero. Yeah, Campanero no is great. Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Mannequin, I, I, I love as well. I mean, the thing is, it's it's a fun album to listen to, and that's the whole point of it. Yeah. If, if you can see them live, definitely do, because I think they're really, yeah. really good live. Colder days, I'm dreaming about the olden days. Slouching in my lounge, but my mama had me sitting straight. Trying to be my little brother in the Tekken stage. From my best to be a father figure, cause in 98 wasn't great. Juvenile veteran battling with my mother. I couldn't see that the weather brings strength, which is it brings pain. How you gonna grow when you can't stand rain? It's time waste for no man. At least it didn't from all man. Getting teased, right around the streets from a white gang. Only kid too afraid to ride around, no hands. Makeshift muffler in my muff flat cocaine. Daddy wasn't present, all because of his depression. Try my best to ride alone, I guess I never got the lessons. Let me always second guessing. Hey. Check me out, dad. Cause I'm doing it, no hands. You proud of me? I hope you're tuning in. I made a promise to my mother, now I'm doing it. Check me out, Dad, cause I'm doing it no hands. You proud of me? I hope you're tuning in. I made a promise to my mother, now I'm doing it. I get embarrassed when they ask me where I got them on my clothes. Well, off the old man, they don't need to know that though. Hey man, ask me how it happened. I start up that nervous laugh. I just tell them it's alright. I hope I hold that no play. Single parent household privilege. You treat a woman right, but man, I never learned to fight for shit. Raise a bumps riddle in my face and need some ice for this. Tough time trying to be a man. I'm just a little kid. Dangling my feet out the pews. Asking man what they're saying is true. See, I don't think that people visit Satan over mistake making. Surely we're all forsaken if the saying is true. Like, this what's that say about you? Mm. What's that say about you? Religion and feeling, I need forgiveness. You got me burning with guilt over sins I haven't committed. Cause crosses bear some scores left to settle. Glad I'm on another level. Trying to tell me that my daddy's the devil. That's rich. Think we endured enough suffering What if the thoughts of my father left buffering So check me out dad Cause I'm doing it no hands You proud of me? I hope you're tuning in I made a promise to my mother know I'm doing it 
Okay, so next on the shortlist in alphabetical order, it's Kojak with his first album, Ken's Dead. His second album, album, John, Delhi Daydreams was nominated for the Choice Prize, but he's calling that a mixtape now. So I'm not 100% sure. Is this his second album or his debut album? No, this is his, his debut album, but this can be whatever you want it to be. Um, it's just a, it's it's just a great collection of songs. I mean, how many other artists on the shortlist for this Choice Music Prize have, I guess, achieved what he has on his album in terms of his vocal performance? I mean, he he switches quite often from spoken word to to rap to really nice kind of melodies. Uh, he's he's got a a great great ability to tell a story. Um, there's lots of di- musically. There's lots of uh, different genres in there it's like a collection of all these different genres that that he loves and it's also got this great sense of humor um and it's got sorrow and it's got the reality throughout of what modern day life is for young people living in in dublin i mean musically as i said you've got downbeat lounge jazz you've got soul you've got funk obviously lots of rapping in there um the song tan's dead instantly reminds me of jamie t i've always thought that since the first time i listened to it and that's like that's nearly got like punk elements to it so there's lots of different musical uh genres going on and thematically it's i mean i mentioned already that kojak is a great storyteller but it's his observations of what it's like living in dublin the good and the bad it's not just about the bad you know he references things that he likes but probably there's more reference to references to some of the things that he's really dissatisfied with and has been for years growing up in Dublin, such as the housing crisis. I mean, I, I interviewed him on the show a few months ago when the album was released and he talked about the fact that forget about even owning a house, that's not going to happen. Even just being able to afford to rent somewhere in the city was becoming near impossible. Um, it's about The album is about the life of working class people. It's about rent prices. It's about a lack of cultural venues. In the interview that I did with him, he, he spoke about the fact that Hanger and um, the Bernard Shaw had, had just closed down. And the one thing that he kind of drew on, the one positive that he kind of drew on was the fact that young people in Dublin were still making incredible art. And it was the one thing that, that's kind of given him hope in saying that, like Kojak lives in London now. And, um, you know, there's probably several reasons why He's left Dublin to go to go and live there. One is obviously to try and develop his music career, which is right. But I'm sure there there are other uh, reasons as well. And uh, I think this is a great great album. I think Tan's Dead is a is a great album. I think probably the the I don't know what what you think about this because I think you said something similar to me on when you went or after you'd gone to see him live in the Olympia Theatre a few months ago. But I think on on the album, as much as I love kind of the more up tempo songs, I think the slower songs work maybe uh best as well and i'm just trying to find the track list here for the likes of jindy boy blues and no hands no hands is one definitely that I, that i would have uh as one of those kind of the better slower songs i love as well um sex and drugs i think is just one of the the standout tracks on the album so yeah i look like most people i i, I think it's a it's a wonderful wonderful album and i think it's just a real kind of um example of of how multi-talented Kojak is. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a genius. Uh, I, I thought that from 
the moment that I heard Delhi Daydreams, which I hope I hope he does look back on really proudly because I think that is a 27 minute piece of perfection. I don't think there's a single wasted moment there. Townstead is double the length of Delhi Daydreams. I think it's the longest album on the Joyce Prize shortlist as well. But it does, like you suggest, offer him the chance to showcase his many, many uh, hats um, because he does do that raucous thing with the likes of uh, Towns Dead. He does that introspective thing like those two tracks I mentioned, Jinty Boy Blues and No Hands, which are uh, completely different, I think, than stuff he's done before. We've heard him do that kind of, um, you know, fun, like tipping wine glasses mm. uh, on, on the debut album. But I think this is something that's really, really personal for him. But he also shows that he knows his way around a tune, the likes of Sex and Drugs and Casio, which features Maverick Saber. Um, Towns Dead is kind of built around this concept it's got skits in it uh, of them it's a tumultuous love triangle that unfolds across New Year's Eve in Dublin and uh, I I think there is kind of that cliche of something for everyone Um, maybe it's a little bit too long but I just think he's a real genius like watching him live at the Olympia around that heady time of November when there was so many great acts playing around the place uh, I, I thought it maybe dipped a little bit in the middle uh there was too much slow stuff but i think it's really really perfectly placed here i think he's a genius i wouldn't be surprised if this wins um the choice music prize i I thought he should have won for delhi daydreams uh, a couple of years ago so um i I just think he's brilliant like i i I personally i kind of don't find fault with this album not really sure what the criticism of it might be do you have any do you have any like minor notes that you might say about this album? No, I think if anybody's going to look for a criticism it might be that it's slightly too long, but I mean that certainly wouldn't be one of my my criticisms. Um I, I yeah, I'm, I love the album. on elaine may is up for her long-awaited debut album home which she self-released personally i think this might be the most radio-friendly album on the list which might stand her in good stead considering the judges i don't know if you have any thoughts about that john but uh, she's gotten some really good radio play for the tracks and the album itself is it almost feels like a celebration of women as well like all of the collaborators who feature are women Sinead White Make Alvaretti Loa um, they all feature I think she's played uh, live with them as well and it's another kind of dance orientated album but I, I this would be my sneaky kind of uh, each way bet on who might win next Thursday what, uh, what are your feelings on Lane May and this album yeah, I get what you're saying about it being 
quite radio friendly in parts. I'd probably put Soda Blonde's album or maybe uh, or the Gartland's album has been a bit more radio friendly. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this album. I'm a huge fan of Elaine May. The theme of the album is is all about belonging. The album is called Home and it, it that's the kind of thread that kind of knits the whole album together for want of a better phrase um it's i mean it's summed up quite perfectly in the song which is track three mother which is a a club here in in dublin where elaine may has played for a few years and it's it's got a great sense of community and and that's what this album is, is all about so thematically that's that's how it works but i guess you could look at her kind of musical career over the last few years as being like a, a journey. I mean, she would have started out with the band Go Panda Go, who were a really good Galway band back in the day. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, I think that's, I'm not going to um, claim credit for, for finding that out. I think Tony Clayton Lee referenced that in an interview that he did with Elaine May around the re- time of the release of this album. But she's always kind of collaborated with, with people along the way. But I think it was only with the release of her track Ennis Grown and, and the subsequent tracks that came out afterwards that she kind of felt, okay, this is a sound that I'm really comfortable with. But with regards to this album, Home, I think for some of the songs, and I know for a fact with No Forever, that song that she collaborates with May Kay on, that I think she, with that song, she kind of looked at it and said, I, I've taken it as far as I, I can go. I want to have maybe somebody you know, guest vocal, do guest vocals on it. And that's why she sent it, uh, the the music on to make hay. And that's how make hay come to, came to appear on the album. But I think she then kind of thought, okay, wouldn't it be nice if I could maybe um, invite the likes of Alva Reddy and Sinead White and Loa on and just make, make the album a little bit different to what it could have been. It could have been just a, like a straight up, solo electronic album from Elaine May and I think the fact that she's invited guest vocalists onto the album makes it a, a lot more interesting and I think the, that each of the songs uh, w- with those guest vocalists really really work well maybe the lower one I think is probably the it's certainly not the weakest of, of, of those tracks but I think it's the one that doesn't really fit on the album overall uh, I think the rest of them do and I love the fact that she starts off with... I mean, the thing about Elaine May is that she, she makes this really kind of great uh, dance music, which is also at the same time emotive. And her, her the opening track to you and the closing track, uh, Port New, are great examples of that. There's a really nice build in, in each of them. So what I'm trying to say to you, Alan, is, yeah, I'm a big fan of the album. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Uh yeah, I mean, like I, I say radio friendly. Another word that you could use, I suppose, is commercial. And I feel like some of the tracks like Mother, uh, they, they almost it's got a it's about the club, obviously, um, the the gay club Mother, which uh, is, you know, sounds like a really great experience. And it is one that offers a home to so many people. But I, I feel like uh, this kind of like an almost David Guetta-esque um, part of that track Um but anyway, I'm, uh, I also mentioned that it is almost a celebration of women. Uh, she told, Elaine May told Tony Clayton Lee in the Irish Times um, that there's a shared experience of women because, as has been highlighted many times, there are lots of struggles that women face in the music industry. And I think because of that, there's definitely a deeper level of camaraderie and understanding. And she also says that all of the tracks on home relate to the theme of belonging. So I think that you can listen to different tracks and you can kind of 
feel a sense of belonging with regards to any number of them, whatever stands out most to you. So um, that's Lay May. That's called home. Go to weddings. Go to funerals. Just try to exist. Swap scenes in the morning. Ask him to bed again. Celebrate with a fist. I saw a lot of you today.
We'll move on now. We're almost there. We're in the home stretch. The last three acts that we're going to discuss begins with Saint Sister, Where I Should End. Should their first album have won the choice prize? Maybe. But will this one win the choice prize? What do you think, John? No, I don't think. Oh, it, wow. I, well, <laughs> I don't. Up. I don't. If your question is, will it win the choice music prize next week? Then I no, I don't. I don't think it will. I'm a huge fan of Saint Sister. I have been since since day one. Um, I love their vocals i love their style of music and i think where i should end is probably not a million miles away from shape of silence their debut album but it's probably more of a a mature effort it's probably a bit more self-assured i think that where it works well is on the more kind of up-tempo tracks like dynamite dynamite um the closing track any dreams any dreams you could look at obviously karaoke song was a, was a great single as well and i think my my brilliant friend is is a great opening opening track i just think for me i like i probably if i'm being honest i probably enjoyed shape of silence a lot more and i don't know if that's just because i kind of knew every song nearly before the album had been released because i think a lot of them had been released and i kind of fell in love with the band around about that time i think on the the quieter songs on the album it, they, well they're probably my my least favorite part and i'm looking at um in particular track four and five the place huh. that i work in an irish hour i just the lisa hannigan collaboration yeah i'm not a huge fan of that and i, I just find that they're probably the the two two songs on the album that i am yeah i'm not overly uh, a fan of but I, I think the rest of the album is is brilliant and uh, as i said i think saint sister are, are great Maybe you're mostly drawn to the first album because it's almost like a coming of age thing. It's kind of very much about like your early 20s. And whereas this is kind of about different kind of experiences, I think, you know, like there's one track, Oh My God, Oh Canada, which is about them like traveling around North America on tour. So maybe there's maybe less of a connection there. Personally, uh, I think this album is nigh on perfect. I think uh, they've developed as a band. Uh, Morgan Mac- Morgana McIntyre is the chief songwriter and I think you, you can um, fall fall for any number of lines across this album there's the Elena Frante referencing My Brilliant Friend which opens it you've got that great uh, Arms Around Your Best Friend something that we talked about earlier with mm. karaoke song um, you've got the the quieter parts like house nine which is reprising the harp it's very much the interlude before the final dance of the night with any dreams and then you've got probably the standout track is manchester air which is about uh abortion and it's it's very much a a story and i think that it's probably mcintyre's high point as a songwriter she really really puts herself in someone else's shoes as she sings um uh from the back of your bike i told you i was late you said i can't go much faster i said no not like that oh geez i'm doing a terrible rendition of it but you you'll know the line yourself i i won't go on anymore about it but it's really really evocative and i think that that's one of the main uh ideas on this album that it is really really evocative songwriting i think um it's the band at the top of their game and they were very much about putting themselves front and center we're looking at the album right now and uh they said that they weren't anywhere to be found on their first album there's no picture of them they're not on the cover they're not in the sleeve or anything like that and they wanted to change that on this album and it sounds like they're having a lot more fun on the likes of any dreams and in the video as well and that idea of putting them front themselves front and center was something that they really 
really uh, wanted to do. Um, yeah. Mac, Mac, McIntyre told me for the examiner that uh, she, she talked about that idea. She said, I thought the idea of acknowledging yourself too much in that way was uncool for some reason, that it was much more mysterious and it was a better idea to be a little bit less forward facing and behind the music. But I completely disagree with that now. And I don't think there is a cool way to be. Everyone should just do their own thing. And if this is Saint Sister doing their own thing, then I'm all for it. I think this is such a great album. And that's the sound of somebody that is a lot more self-assured and a lot more confident and they've navigated those years of growing up in your your early 20s and they kind of have a better understanding now of, of who they are and, and as such they want to express that through through their art and hence the fact you have the artwork for this album with just the two of them standing there going this is who we are yeah uh, i think i think it's great uh i absolutely would love to see this win uh choice music prize for the best irish album of last year me too One act who I think will be right up there as well is Soda Blonde for their debut album, Small Talk. Formerly Little Green Cars, they are minus one member of Little Green Cars. Soda Blonde are Faye O'Rourke guitar- on vocals, guitarist Adam O'Regan, drummer Dylan Lynch and bassist Donna Seaver O'Leary. Uh, I think this album is so good. It's so strong and it's, it's probably because of Faye O'Rourke's vocals that it really really does stand out for me I think she has just got a phenomenal voice this is kind of a concept album it's about uh, life in their 20s Faye O'Rourke said that every part of us is in here both subliminally and literally lyrically this record is like a collection of my flaws and insecurities they're lingering awkwardly by the bar at a crowded social gathering waiting to integrate with the wider world Concept albums about acts in their 20s is almost a theme of Choice Music Prizes down through the years. I'm thinking of Alvaretti's album Personal History from a year or two 
ago, which I really, really loved. And yeah, you can see what O'Rourke is getting at there, can't you? That this is kind of about your 20s. It's being charted almost. Yeah. And I, the the thing about Soda Blonde is that, you know, they're not a, they're not a new act. We, we're all kind of familiar with them from the days of Little Green Cars. And one of my complaints about Little Green Cars, or one of the things I would have loved to have seen more with them was... Faye O'Rourke taking the lead role and singing more um, of the songs herself. So when they announced that they were going to continue as Soda Blonde, or four of the five were going to continue as Soda Blonde, I was delighted because I knew then that Faye was going to be uh, the lead vocalist. And you're right, she is the the um, one. She her vocals are one of the the main strong points of this album. I just think with with soda blonde they're a complete package you know it's not just you what you watch their their videos you look at the the live stream that they did last year when this album was released you look at their artwork and it's there's more to them you look at their fashion sense there's more to them than than just the music they're they're an overall package and um and that's that's not just firework that's all all four members of the band at this stage they're very experienced They've been in the game. Like these guys have been making music together since they were fifteen, and they're now in their their late twenties. So, um, they know exactly what they're doing. They're very very talented, and you can hear that on the album. It's a very kind of polished uh, album from from start to finish. It's produced really really well. Did you say they produced it themselves? Uh, I think so. I'm, think not, so. I'm not a hundred percent sure, yeah. but I think Adam O'Regan had a big hand to play in it. Yeah, and it, it's 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 a really really strong album, and. You hear some of the songs in the radio and you think, well, you know, that's, that sounds great. I think I'm stealing this from somewhere. I'm not sure who, but it's like they traded the Americana of Little Green Cars for the classic pop rock of, dare I say it, Fleetwood Mac. Ooh, how ma- how nice. many bands get compared to Fleetwood Mac these days? But it's really, really <laughs> there. <laughs> Are they? Maybe Fleetwood Mac have just so many different sounds that every, every band has it somewhere in their DNA. Mm. But I think the likes of uh, In the Heat of the Night is so on the nose Fleetwood Mac it's got that classic uh pop rock sensibility yeah, 1970s sensibility um but yeah that that concept that I was talking about about life in your 20s it's there from the very first track Tiny Darkness where Faye O'Rourke says that it takes everything to begin again you have really strong sing-alongs like Terrible Hands as well and I think that there's just something uh really really deep in this album that will have people uh coming back uh, again and again if i could quote o'rourke again she says that small talk touches on many things indulging in the darkness while also trying to derive some meaning from it on having no degree on the way i sabotage multiple relationships or let my parents down it's about looking for resolution and revolution in sex and politics it's about being abused mentally and physically by the people you love the most and in turn abusing the people who love you it's about my first heartbreak at 14 how it's still intrinsically a part of me and the shame and embarrassment that it brings it's about having something you thought was a sure thing like your career ripped out from underneath you it's also about the idea of optical virtue over the reality of how we treat those around us that sounds like a really heady album but it is also a really fun album (laughs) as well i think um yeah, I, th- I think this is just the start of a very long and successful career of Soda Blonde. And again, another brilliant live band. If you get the chance to see them live, they're so yeah. good. And like you said, so polished and so like ready. They've been and done it all already. Um, so yeah, that's Soda Blonde. And finally, we're on to Villagers, Fever Dreams. Hey kid, now you're part of the team. And you kind of 
is Villager's best album of his career to date. It's my favorite Villager's album out of the five that Conor O'Brien has released and I would I would call it his probably his his masterpiece. I don't know if he would, he would even agree with that, but I <laughs> I certainly think it it is his masterpiece and it's kind of like the album that I've I've always wanted him to make. I'm I would I find when Conor O'Brien and he's he's done this on his last two albums um starts to experiment with his sound and start started to make it a bit more kind of fun and added a lot of groove to it that his music became a lot more interesting um and this is i think this is a, a collection of songs where he's not trying to impress anybody he's just trying to make them as interesting as possible for for himself and i think that his problem with the first maybe three albums was that he was trying to please the audience and now he's he's decided you know i'm just going to make songs that that i really enjoy and with this album, I mean, if you think about it, the, the Art of Pretending to Swim, his previous album written in 2008, it was written almost like a COVID album. He wrote the songs for that album uh, in a tiny, tiny loft, a tiny room upstairs where he was staying. And I think he put himself through kind of mental torture, nearly doing everything by himself. So as a result of that, for this album, Fever Dream, he wanted to have a lot more of a kind of band feel to it. So he got the the band together that he'd been touring with for years, that he's been playing with for years, to come into a, a studio in Cabaret, which is Brendan Jenkinson's studio, bring, bring whatever ideas they had and to take a bit of a leap of faith, as he calls it, and to write the songs that ended up on, on Fever dreams and i think that's why according to him this is what he says that's why the the sound of the album has a lot more groove it's a lot more enjoyable for him it was a lot more fun to do than his his previous albums and um and i think that comes across for for the listener and that's why i think it's his, his masterpiece i think there's there's so much beauty on the album his lyrics are fantastic his vocals sound amazing but what happened after they had had written the songs was that obviously COVID kicked in. I think they, the the day that the first lockdown occurred was the day that they finished writing the songs and recording them in the studio, and then he had months afterwards because of COVID to kind of sit at home and ponder, 
each particular track and try and make them as and try and produce them into being what they are so yeah i, l- I love this album i would love if um this album won the choice i don't think it will but it's a it's a wonderful wonderful album yeah you mentioned brendan jenkinson actually and that reminds me that john francis flynn is also another act who should have been on this choice prize oh, yes. nomination there's no trad album on it this year i thought that that was kind of becoming the uh the thing with the choice you know with the mercury prize they always have kind of mm. a jazz album out of left field i think the choice usually has a trad album which features and which often is up there in the final discussion and i think john francis flynn not being there was a big uh surprise a bit of an omission uh i I personally, I don't think that this is Villager's masterpiece. I think that uh, he hit his creative high point with the last album, The Art of Pretending to Swim, which I think is a great album. But there's still plenty that I love about Fever Dreams. Right from the cover of the bear overlooking the swimming pool, a really dreamy kind of an image. And it's also got one of the best Villager songs that he's written the first day, which is just, yeah radio friendly bbc six music uh played the heck out of it and i loved it every time that it came on and it also indulges in his jazz sensibilities which personally i think might turn some listeners off so simpatico is really nice but the fact it goes on for seven minutes and really does go into easy listening jazz for the latter half of it um might be a turn off to some uh it depends on my mood sometimes i like it sometimes it doesn't Song in Seven is very much about a song that's written in Seven, and that's something that came out of those band jams that they had. There's another track here called and uh, that band jam where uh, Danny, I think the bassist, told Connor, oh, the song is in Seven, and continued from there. Restless Endeavor is actually three minutes of a 12-minute long uh, jam that the band had. It actually cuts into that jam at a certain point and it continues for three minutes so i'd love to hear the full version of that hopefully if we ever get a villagers b-sides or a rarities album we might get a full version of restless endeavor but we also get to hear full faith in providence which features uh rachel lavelle who i think is approaching the status of every irish musician's favorite irish musician mm-hmm. she's just got that really distinctive voice that really really does something else to attract i'd love to hear a stripped down version or a demo version of full faith in providence without rachel lavelle but i don't think it would be anywhere near as good as the final effort i think she really really elevates uh the album so i think it's a really strong album just continuing the the idea that Connor can kind of do no wrong as we said earlier five villagers albums five choice nominations but yeah it's funny that you say it that maybe it won't win maybe it won't win because I think the judges might look at it and go well he's he's won before they might look at it and think there's better albums on the shortlist I don't know I don't know but I do think that I know you referred to Kojak earlier on as being a genius and Connor O'Brien is is most certainly a, a genius as well I mean, we're so lucky to have him. We're so lucky to have him uh, releasing great music. And uh, yeah, we'll see see what happens on. I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> I don't know who's going to win. Yeah, there there is a lot of tinkering on this album as well. Like you can hear that kind of post-production work yeah. that Connor added to it. Um, I, I don't know how much it kind of adds to it, but it does kind of feel like a, a full-on sound or, or something bubbling under the surface. Um, is there any anything else you want to mention about Villagers? Or will we... Okay, we'll go back. We'll go back to talking about uh, the al- the full shortlist. As we said, really, really strong uh, list of ten albums. As you can probably tell, we're pretty big fans of all of them. We might have a yeah. couple of niggles here and there, but yeah, I, th- I think the judges will have a hard one picking uh, a favorite out of it. 
like I suggested, I think Elaine May might be in the final running, but I think as was evidenced by our talk about it, for those I love, I think it's top of like the album that we think should win, at least. Yeah, I think the way you have to look at it is that you look at the albums that are quite similar to each other in terms of sound and style and think, well, are they going to take votes away from each other? And then you look at the albums who are which are quite different from the other albums on there and going by that reckoning, I think that, because you know this from, from being a, a judge, what happens on the day is that out of the 10 albums, they're usually shortened down quite quickly down to maybe everybody's favourite kind of three or four albums and then that's where the winner is chosen from. So I think if that does happen, then for those I love, maybe co no maybe not Kojak for those I love and Orla Gartland maybe will be the the, the front runners uh, come the end of the discussion and it'll be between those two and if I'm going to put money on an album then I'd, I'd put money on for those I love just about to, to sneak the win yeah I, th- I think it's going to be uh, hard to look past that one I, I just think it's a stunning piece of work the choice prize takes place in Vicker Street at a live performance seven or eight of the acts that we've talked about who are on the short list are uh, going to be playing at it. I think it's sold out, but if you can snag a ticket, it's always a really, really uh, great night out, full of gossip. You know, I, lo- I love a bit of Irish music industry gossip, so hope to get a <laughs> bit of that on Thursday night as well. But look, no matter what we think of the albums, I think congratulations to all of the acts who made who made an album last year, who managed to like get something out of the disaster of the past uh, two or three years with COVID and everything. And I hope that uh, we're talking about some a similarly strong shortlist in 12 months time. Uh, we were mentioning who we think might be on it. I, I have my own um, thoughts on it. I think it'll be CMAT versus Pillow Queens for... Uh, Irish album of uh, this year John so I look forward to talking about them with you in about 12 months time goodness me it's only February <laughs> I'm never not on, too early I'm never not on Irish <laughs> album of the year watch <laughs> whatever about Irish song of the year uh, we, we never have time for the Irish song of the year discussion John yeah but, funny um, that <laughs> um, but listen congratulations to all of the acts and hope they have a great night on thursday and i hope that everyone is proud of what they created because you know no matter the situation irish music you know it's it's always feels like this kind of beaten down kind of a thing looking for you know like a little bit of extra love and the people who talk about it write about it review it or discussing it with their mates or going to gigs or whatever you know like they they really do um pay attention to it and yeah i hope that the bands are proud of what they achieved so um yeah we've enjoyed discussing this we we would have done this whether we were recording or not i think we would have happily just had a couple of points and and discussed it all and maybe been a little less forgiving about some of the albums <laughs> a little less oh, i was honest i don't know about you but i was being honest no i can see us in 40 years from now still doing this sitting over a pint of guinness talking about how did that album make it onto the shortlist <laughs> goodness me and how come we're not? How come we don't have a podcast anymore? But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing who who wins uh, next next Thursday or this Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. And I think we both said this earlier on. If if any of those artists won it, then you would you certainly wouldn't begrudge them. You could you could see why they could have won it, and you could see why the judges would have gone for them. So, um, yeah. Which I mean, how, ma- how many years can you say that? This is probably the first year where I've ever said I don't mind if any of them win it. Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, on that note, listen, John, <laughs> it was uh, great to hear your voice again. Hopefully we'll be hearing it again soon if you have any plans for what you're going to do post Totally Irish. But uh, I enjoyed this chat and I'll run into you next Thursday at the Choice Prize Ceremony as we discuss the merits once again of who shouldn't win. <laughs> Cheers, Anna Sullivan. Cool. Thanks a lot for listening. I don't know uh, if there'll be more Point of Everything podcasts coming out, but I really enjoyed this chat. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening and enjoy the Irish music. Mm-hmm.